As we're learning on Sundays, you, you've proven the love that you have towards us, that you love each one of us personally, specifically, without reservation, unconditionally, without any limitation. And Father, we come tonight to, by faith, to, by faith to call upon this God that loves us to make yourself more real to us tonight. For you are not a God that just sits in heaven, but you're a God who's come to us and called us to yourselves. A God who calls us into a real relationship with you, where we can know you as well, if not better, than we know our closest friend or even our spouse. And Father, we desperately need to know you that way. And your word you've given to us to help us to know who you are. And your spirit you have caused to live in us that we, he might reveal to us who you are and what you are, want to be and do for us. And so we trust the Holy Spirit tonight in us and we trust the Holy Spirit who's anoints this word and in, and in me tonight to accomplish his will in our lives tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we've been learning about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And as we talked about in the beginning of the series, um, He's part of the, of the, of the Godhead. The, the Bible tells us that God is th in three persons, and it's very hard for our minds to kind of wrap around this. We just have to do this by faith, that God is a Father, God is a Son, Jesus, but He's also God the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's not hard to, to, to understand what a Father is, whether you had a good one or a bad one. It's not hard to understand what a Son is, because it's a concept that we're all familiar with. Some of us are sons, and some of us have sons, or both. But it's kind of hard to understand what a Spirit is, that's holy. And as I said at the beginning of the series, you know, the only spirit I knew of growing up was Casper. Remember Casper, the friendly ghost, da-da-da-da-da. If you can sing more of that, I'm concerned about you. That means you've been watching cartoons. Um, and, and, but that's the only concept they have. And it's like, how can, what is this spirit? And he's holy. And then I begin to get into God's word and realize, right, he is, he is the, what God has given to the church. And this is what we began to talk about. Jesus came, lived for 33 and a half years on this earth, called 12 disciples to himself. 11 of them were faithful. And then he goes to the cross, dies. He's buried and is raised from the dead. and comes back, calls the disciples together, and then he commissions them to finish the, the, the work that he began. And that's why Acts starts out by saying, Oh, Theophilus, a continuation of the work that Jesus began to do. And that begins the, the, the story of the history of the church, which is still in existence today, and that's what we are. We are the church, and the Bible teaches us that the church is the body of Christ. It's the part of him that's left here to finish his work, which is to bring the gospel, the good news of God's love for us and, the, and how God proven his love for us by sending his son to the cross. And, and, but how do we get that done? And Acts begins by saying it is by the agency and administry of the Holy Spirit working in us. And Jesus said, don't do anything. I've taught you everything I know, everything you need to know from me at this point, but wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And he says, from not many days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 2. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spilled out of the streets and began to turn the world upside down. What we've been talking about is the church has kind of lost touch with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What is his role? And we've gone back and we've looked at who he is. That he's part of the Godhead. 
We've looked at his, he had a role, a role to play in the Old Testament when God created the earth. The Spirit of God is the agent that actually physically carried it out. And he is the, he is the part of God that physically accomplishes things. Even in Jesus, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and, and the power, the virtue, the Bible says, was in him. Remember we talked about the story of the woman with the issue of blood in John, yeah, issue of blood in John, in, John, in Matthew chapter 8. When she comes up, Jesus doesn't even know she's there. She's been bleeding for 12 years. Doctors have given up on her. She's spent everything she has. She's not better, and no better. She's worse. And she hears about Jesus. She fights through a crowd and just touches his garment. He doesn't even know she's there. And it says power flew out of, felt, flowed out of him into her. And she knew she was well. Not only that, Jesus felt the power flow out of him. And he turned around and says, who touched me? Which means he didn't know who touched her, which means he didn't decide, look, you're one of the lucky ones that God wants to heal, but what, what flowed out of him was the power of the Holy Spirit that was resident in him. And so we've learned about that in the Old Testament, and he had a limited role in the Old Testament. We've looked at it in the ministry of Jesus, and then we've looked at it in the, in the church age that we're in, and then we began to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in ministering in my individual life and your individual life. And the reason I believe this is so important while we're getting into the part that we're talking about tonight and started last week, which is, which is the Spirit of God wants to lead us and guide us, is because as I said in the prayer that we just, I just prayed, God is a God of relationship. The religion teaches you that God sits in heaven and looks down on us over this nose that's ready to judge us all, and he's waiting for us to do something wrong or at least prove to him why he ought to accept us. And the, good, the gospel, which is what good news, good news, which is what gospel really means, the good news is God knows none of us can be good enough. And so what he did is he came, sent his son to die for us, to pay for our sins, and all we've got to do is receive him by faith and what he's done for us by faith. And we've done that to come into the family of God, but then we, continue, then we pick up the law and begin to, to, to work for God as if we're, that's how we're going to get God's approval. And, go, and uh, Colossians 3 says that having begun by the Spirit, are you going to continue by the Spirit? And, you know, it's to, by faith. He said you were saved by faith and received the Spirit by faith, and, and now you're going to go back under the law and you're going to prove yourself to God by how good you are? God wants us to be good, but you can't be good enough. But the Holy Spirit working in us wants to mature us and help us to change. But in order to do that, God wants us to have a relationship with Him. And because you can't see God, because it's hard to imagine what God's really like, I imagine if we took the time tonight and interviewed every one of you, every one of us has at least a slightly different, if not a tremendously different image of what God is like. But the Spirit of God has been put in us, and one of His ministries, one of His purposes, is to teach us what God is like, so we would know God. And we looked at some scriptures last week about that. Now, to do that, we have to be able, one of His purposes is to lead us and guide us in our life, not just in the ministry that God may have for you, but also in your personal life. And as I've shared with you a number of times before, back before, I, well, actually, I'd been in the ministry before, but, but num- a number of times when I was a practicing attorney, that even in courtroom situations, I've had the Spirit of God guide me about what to do or not to do and entire, turn an entire, three entire cases around. Uh, and I was dumbfounded. It just, I mean, it's just, even though I know he's in me, but to watch him work in a courtroom, and it's just, he, he cares about you. 
He cares about every aspect of your life. And, and so that's what we're looking at. And we began to look at last week. So we're looking at is the Spirit of God wants to lead us and guide us. That's part of what God's putting in us to do. But how do we know how to cooperate with Him? So last week we looked at this communication system that God has designed. And God designed something that's perfect. There's no flaws in it. And we saw that it was a communication system, but because God is a spirit, you don't communicate with him with, with ideas and concepts. But God is a spirit. We must communicate him spirit to spirit. And we saw that you are a spirit. You are made up of three parts. All of us are. Spirit, soul, and body. Your nature is your spirit. You have a soul, which is your personality, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and they live in a body. This body lives in contact with this natural world that we spend almost all of our time thinking about, working about, fixing up, and now, you know, we're all, we're all sitting in here tonight, and I'm standing in here, having various degrees of comfort. So some of you are aware it's kind of humid in here, some of you feel cold, some, but we're conscious of all those things, and that is the natural world we live in, and our body is what contacts that. Remember we went over all this? And, and, and that's the part of us that, that lives in contact with this world. The spirit man that we are on the inside is from the kingdom that God is of, or the spirit kingdom. And because God is a spirit, he, the, He's made us in His image. We are spirit man being on the inside of us. And that has perfect communion with God. And the Holy Spirit is the connection between your spirit and God. And we've seen scriptures that showed how the Spirit of God searches the hearts of God to show us the deep things that are in God's heart, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. Then we saw in Romans chapter 8 where God's Spirit takes the yearnings that are in your heart when you're trying to pray to God and talk to God and articulate what's going on to God. It says we don't know what to pray, though what to pray, but the Spirit in us takes those things that are in our heart and He communicates them perfectly to God, and it says the God who searches our hearts here knows what the mind of the Spirit is when He prays for it. He helps us in our prayer. Communication doesn't do us any good until our mind gets involved, because your body will only do what your mind tells it to do, what our will tells us to do. And so, so the part of us that's the bridge, and we've talked about this when we talked about renewing the mind, the part of you that God designed to bridge between your body and your spirit is your soul, because they no have, can't, do not have a, normally have a, a contact with each other. Your soul is what takes what's going on in your spirit and carries that out with your body, or takes what's going on in your body and, 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 and communicates that to your spirit. Now, here's where the critical thing is. Either we're dominated by our flesh and this natural world, or we're dominated by the spirit. And when God made man in the beginning... That first man and woman, the way God made them, they were more conscious of their spirit being than they were of their body. In fact, we saw that at the end of Genesis chapter 2, it says they were both naked and were not ashamed. Can you imagine walking around with no clothes on and not realize it? They were so conscious of the spirit life inside of them, they weren't even aware that they didn't have any clothes on. It didn't matter to them. There was nothing to hide. They, they were not conscious of themselves. And of course, in chapter 3, Satan comes in, they disobey God, and now there's a separation, and the first thing is they become conscious of themselves. Because they say we were afraid, and we hid ourselves. They were ashamed, they became afraid, and they became self-conscious. And they became conscious of their bodies. 
And so now you and I are living as now that we now that we're back, now that we're in Christ, now that Christ has come to live inside of us, His Spirit's living inside of us, and He wants to put us back in that place where that first man and woman were, not without clothes, but I mean in communion with God. And what's the problem is, we grew up, we've lived all our lives listening to the dictates of our body, of this world, conscious feeding it, clothing it, washing it, brushing it, deodorizing it, you know, whatever it is you've got to do to it, feeding it again, then you've got to feed it again, then you want things that it shouldn't eat, and our body's talking to us all the time. You may have aches and pains, they're talking to you right now. And that's noise, and what happens is because we spend most of our life conscious of the physical, natural world around us, and very little time conscious of the spirit inside of us, we don't hear his voice, we don't hear him talking to us. And we looked last time, and he is, God is always speaking to us. He's, I mean, I don't mean 24 hours a day, but God talks to us. He's a communicating God. We saw even the garden. It says, it talks about when it says he walked in the cool of the day. It talks about in the breeze. He's, 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 he's speaking to his people. God's all, and we went back and looked through some of that last week. So what we're going to talk about tonight is we're going to talk about how this works, some indications of it, some very practical things to kind of teach us. First thing to understand is this is a process. We're going to learn. You've got to, to learn how to, walk, how, to, how to be led by the Spirit of God is a process. Nobody's perfect at it, and you've got to start where you are. It also means you're going to make mistakes. But if you're going to make a mistake, make sure it's a mistake on something that doesn't cause any damage. So if the Spirit of you think God's telling you to go jump off a cliff, you better know it's God. Because if God tells you to jump off a cliff, He'll support you. If He didn't, well, we'll pray for you and we'll be at the, you'll, we'll have to go somewhere tomorrow we don't want to go, which is your funeral. So be sure you're hearing. If the, but so don't start with things like that. Start with something real simple. Like, you know, God, we were listening to somebody yesterday that we talked about, they used to play Holy Spirit hide and seek. Lord, Lord I, you know, show me where this is in the house. And that may sound silly to you, but He wants to teach you. He wants to teach you. And as you begin to grow in this, what you'll realize, my goodness, there were things that I now realize God was trying to tell me, and I, didn't, I just thought that was me. And that's where a lot of people miss it, is that, well, that, I thought that was me. Well, God's going to, we're going to learn about that. I don't want to get ahead of myself. All right. The second thing you really need to realize is the Holy Spirit wants to teach you this more than you want to learn it. And He is a teacher. In John chapter, I think we've looked at this before, in John 16, verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak to you. He will speak to you, and He will show you or disclose to you, tell you things to come. So the Spirit of God is in you, and He wants to teach you things. He wants because if you don't have confidence that you can hear, you'll miss it. Because one of the things we're going to learn is God doesn't shout. If He shouts, watch out. There's a serious reason for it. So don't ask for God to shout. And it, usually we should start with so, sort of small, in, innocent little things. All right, so I want to go through some basic principles, and then I want to give you some guidelines tonight. The first thing, and this may sound kind of strange, is to locate your spirit. Because you've got to know where to listen. And although your, this, your, this, your spirit actually fills all of you. He's, he's not in a certain part of your body. He literally fills all of you. The Bible talks of him, about him in terms of your belly. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, in the, in the original, uh, in the K, 
King James, it would call your reins, which referred to your kidneys, because in those days they believed your kidneys was the center of your life, of your body. But it talks about out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus refers to that in John chapter 7. Uh, uh, the Bible talks about the spirit searches the inward, the belly of the man. So, but it, Although he fills all of you, where you'll generally sense him is kind of in here, in your heart. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, Proverbs 20, 27 says, The spirit of the man is a candle, Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So he doesn't live in your stomach but it's kind of in your center here. It's, it's really, and it's where I've learned to kind of listen for him. Um, John 7, I just quoted this, John seven thirty eight, And he who believes in me, the scripture says, that uh, um, out of his innermost or his belly will flow, river, flow rivers of living water. The next verse talks about, and this refers to the Holy Spirit who would not yet been given. So he, 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 although he resides in all of you, the place you're generally likely to hear him or sense him is in what we might call your heart or your center of where you are. So it's important to realize, I guess the most important thing here to realize is it's not your mind. The Spirit does not speak to your mind. He speaks in here. Your mind has to interpret what you sense down here, but very rarely does He speak by thoughts because God is not a thought or an idea. He is a Spirit. Okay, now here's one of the big things that people get concerned about. Was that me or was that this Holy Spirit? Many believers get confused and they lack confidence because they can't discern whether it was them or whether it was the Holy Spirit. And then the enemy loves to keep you confused because if you're confused, you get paralyzed and you don't act on it. Well, again, one of the best ways to know, to learn how to do this is to practice it. So if you get a sense of, you know, maybe I ought to call so-and-so and it comes to you several times, why don't you call them and find out? Because you'll find out if they say, oh, well, you know, it's nice to hear from you. Well, that was a nice thought. It won't hurt anybody. But, but you may find situations, you know what, I was just thinking of you. You know, somebody keeps coming back to you and you're, you know, just keeps kind of coming back to you. Maybe that's the Holy, maybe that's the Holy Spirit trying to prompt you because here's the answer God gave me. It's hard to tell whether it's you or the Spirit because remember, I told you last week, your spirit and God's spirit are fused together. So you, the Bible says in a number of places that your spirit's joined together with Christ, that you're one. So in God's mind, there's not this big distinction between you and Him. If it's in your spirit, man, if you're sensing it down in here. Now, if it's thoughts or ideas, that's a, that's a, different, that's a different item. All right. So is it me or is it the spirit? Since your spirit and the Holy Spirit have been brought into union, it doesn't matter because they're, they're perfectly communicating with each other. The problem is not in your spirit. The problem is with what your mind does with it. And a real ploy of the enemy is to attack your confidence that the Lord wants you to have. 1 John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. So you know what Satan's going to try to go after is he's going to go after your confidence. He's going to condemn you so that you don't have confidence before God. But God can't help himself. He loves you because it's his nature. And that's what gives you value. So if God loves you because it's his nature, and if he loves you, won't he communicate with you? 
So his choice to communicate with you is not based on how good you are. In fact, when you've not been where you need to be, you need more communication maybe than if you're on the right track. And God will correct you because he loves you. He's a loving father. He's not going to make angry at you. He's not going to pour lightning down out of heaven at you. He's not going to make you sick because he's a loving father. He'll correct you in his primary way. The Bible says that God corrects us is by speaking to us with the word of God. So God wants to speak to you. That's our primary way with our children, was to speak to them. I'd rather the goal of training children is that they learn to do what you say because you said so. That was, I can still hear my mother. <laughs> I can still hear her voice. You do it because I said so. <laughs> and when you're young, that's good enough. You need, a child needs to learn because dad or mom said so. They need to learn because I said so. I don't want to get sidetracked in this, but as they get older, they need to know more than what, because you said so. Because the goal, of, one of the goals in raising children is so that when you release them, and you do release them, don't you? When you do release them, <laughs> when you release them, um, they're prepared to go make the decisions that you would have taught them to make on their own, not because you say so now. So as, you get, as they get older, they need to have some understanding of why that's the right thing to do so that they can begin to process that themselves. But the first lesson they need to learn is because you said so. Because the first lesson they need to learn with God is because He said so. With God, it's always because I said so. And very often, if you'll do what He said, He'll then begin to give you some explanation. But, um, but it, it, it's... So how did I get off on all that? Where was I? Oh, yeah. Okay. Confidence. So Satan wants to, he wants to attack your confidence that God's really not going to talk to you. Because, I mean, after all, what kind of Christian am I? I mean, I understand he may talk to the pastor because he needs to, so he knows what's to preach on Sunday. I can understand that he may talk to, you know, really good people. But why would, why would he talk to me? Because you're his child. Remember the purpose of, the ultimate purpose of this communication is for relationship. Imagine in 49 years of marriage, if Anita and I never talked to each other, except maybe once on Sunday morning, you know, between 11 and 1. And we talked then, but the rest of the week we never talked. What kind of, what kind of, I mean, we may be still together, but what kind of relationship would we have? The very heartbeat of a marriage relationship is communication. Open communication to be able to say exactly what the truth is in love. And this is one of the reasons the Bible tells us that through Christ, we are to come boldly to the throne of grace. We're come boldly into God's presence. That word boldly doesn't just mean coming in like this. The word boldly means to say whatever's on your mind. God's telling us to come to Him and say whatever's on our mind. Just talk. By the way, he knows it anyway. So when you tell him you're upset about something, he's not going to go, oh my, oh my me. <laughs> they thought that? No, he just wants us to do it so that we'll be open with him. So that we'll realize he's there listening to us. He's in here listening to you. God's not listening to you from heaven. He's in you by the Holy Spirit as we learned last week, listening to you. I heard one preacher say, that's why we bow our head when we pray, because we're talking to God in here. <laughs> I like that. 
God wants to, I'm just trying to build confidence in you that God is, God wants to talk with you. And he wants you to talk back to him. And you don't have to say it just the right way. Thou, you know, thou, O great God. I don't think God talks in Elizabethan English. I mean, he'll take whatever you're giving, but you know, that's pretense. Or because I think I have to talk that way. You don't expect him talking to you. You won't listen for it. Kind of like some husbands and wives, you know. He's behind the paper and she's cooking breakfast or whatever it is. And they may be saying, sharing information, but nobody's listening to each other. The wonderful thing about God is He's a perfect listener. He's a perfect listener. He knows, he knows what's behind your words. Wives sometimes get frustrated with their husband because hus- men are, are not often good listeners. Because we listen, you know, this is the reason. Because men listen for information, women are sharing their heart. And that's a foreign language to men. We went through that when we had the marriage series with Jimmy Evans here. It talks about, you know, we're just on different wavelengths. And so the, the wonderful adventure of marriage is learning how to communicate, listen to each other. It's, it's one thing to talk. It's another thing to listen. And communication requires listening as well as talking. But the sharing has to be honest and from the heart. And God wants us to be honest with Him. He wants us to... to in fact, that's really one of the... One of the, big, the, 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 the foundational things of, of, of getting your, your communication with God on the right track is to make sure you're talking with Him the truth, honestly. And to do that, you've got to be honest with yourself. I think we talked a little bit about that last week. You've got to be honest with yourself. So if you're trying to present some image to God, first of all, you're not going to fool Him. But you will, what you will do is you will put a barrier up so it's harder to hear back from Him. Because when you, I learned this a long time ago. We did this in, in a marriage thing we went through. That, that, that your heart is either open or it's closed to somebody like this. And so, so, if, and so I can't be, and I, God had to teach me this, I can't be closed in my heart to my wife and open in my heart to God. I can think I am, but I can't be. Because my heart's not closed here and open here. It's either open or closed. So I'm either open to God and open to her or I'm open or I'm closed in both ways. And, and so, so truth is what opens our heart, keeps our heart open when we're not hiding ourselves. We're not trying to pretend something. Now, you can't do that with everybody, but with the people that are close to you. Intimacy in relationship is based on honesty and truth, which is why manipulation in a relationship destroys the intimacy. So if you do, th- if you if you are if you're doing things for your spouse or for somebody, so they'll do something back for you, or you're trying to, or, <laughs> or you're you know there's something you need to tell your spouse and you want to don't you don't want them to get upset, so you're going to try to figure the the right spin to put on it. That's called manipulation. And what what happens is you're trying to control them. And their response, to, I don't know why I'm looking at her. You're trying to control them and their response. <laughs> I hope that doesn't mean something. I need to go home and find out. You're trying to control your response, <laughs> control their response. You're not going to be open and direct with them. It's interesting because in Ephesians, it talks about in chapter 3, or 4, it talks about the way the, the, way the, the, way the church, the way Christians grow is by sharing the truth in love. 
We can share truth, but if it's not in love, it hurts. The Bible says the letter, there's nothing more truthful than this word, but the letter of this word kills, it hurts. And when, when we were first saved and I first w- was getting ready to preach, I preached some of my best sermons at her. <laughs> I mean, and men, some, you know, you get enough word in your head, you can start using it as a tool in marriage. Well, the Bible says submit. That's not sharing the truth in love. It's truth, but it's not in love. It's not in love. Which means our communication with God has to be in truth and in love, which also means God's communication back to us will always be in truth and in love. God doesn't play games with us. Remember we've talked a number of times in in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus tells us to go and talk to the Father. If you need something, ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and and the door will be open. And then it goes on to say, if you... If your son comes and asks you for a loaf of bread, you're not going to hand him a stone. Or if he asks, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is good, give what's good to those who ask him? So God deals with us directly because he deals in truth. He is truth. So God deals with us. So it's one of the signs is when God speaks to you, it will be truth. Now, that truth may hurt. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Getting ahead of myself. Okay. So, is it me or the Spirit? We talked about that. The the, the second point here is you can trust your spirit if you're born again. Some of you are looking like, wait, what? If you're born again, your spirit's been renewed in the image of God. It's God, it's been born of God. So you can trust, I didn't say you, your spirit. You can trust your spirit because it's born again in the image of God. The, the part of you you struggle with that you know so well isn't your spirit, it's your soul. It's your soul. That's, see, here's the process. And I know we've talked about this before. When, you're, when you come to Christ, when you receive Jesus, when you ask Jesus to come into your life, He comes in by the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about it. He takes your old nature out and bir- births in you a brand new nature in your heart. And that nature is born out of God. It's God's own nature. That's how you become a child of God. And that's when God stops. The rest of it's up to you with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 to present your body a living sacrifice. And then verse 2 says, of 12, verse 2 says, and then we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We spent, I don't know, 18 weeks looking at that last year. So, the part of you God changes is your nature. And that's the part of you you can trust. But the part of you that influences your nature to carry it out is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That you're responsible for renewing, for changing, and the Spirit of God is in you to help you to do that. But it doesn't change overnight. So the part of you that you, when I say, you know, you can trust you, that's what we react with. I don't know that I can trust me. It's your soul you're talking about not your spirit. That's why it's so important to understand you're made up of three parts because the part of you that causes the trouble is your soul and your body, but your spirit man is in God's image. It's it's kind of the beachhead that God's made in you. All right. Now, 
So it's our mind and our flesh that we don't trust until they've matured so that our mind is renewed by the Word and our spirit is in dominion. See, the first man and woman was made in such a way that the spirit being on the inside of them ruled, was in dominion. And their soul, we learned this in Renewing the Mind, their soul, their mind, perfectly knew what, under, what, what directions that they had in here. And the mind was in perfect submission to their spirit and the body was in submission to the mind. So that was God's design so that the body physically carried out the will of God in the earth. When Satan came in, he wanted to get that out of order, and what he tempted them to do is to elevate their mind over their spirit. And so when we come to Christ, God puts a new spirit in us that's now put back in right relationship with him, but he didn't change our mind, and he didn't change our emotions. That now has to be, that now has to be brought under submission to our spirit, so that our body has to be brought under submission to our mind. And that's a lifelong process. Okay. Everybody still with me here? Hebrews 5, verse 14, not a verse you hear very often, but it's an interesting verse. And he's talking about a different subject. He said, solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So by listening to your spirit, by renewing your mind to the Word of God, you can develop sense, your senses within you to be able to, to know the difference between good and evil. Your spirit man will say, mm. and you can come to the point of maturity where your body will line up with that. Do you know you can change your tastes? I've gotten myself, I'm not there right now, I've gotten myself to the point where I would gag at the thought of eating chocolate cake. It would just put a piece of chocolate cake in front of me. Oh, I said, I'm not there now develop the taste for it. And then you start desiring what you've developed. Well, you can do that. that God designed you that way so that you can control your appetites, what you like. But you've got to start cutting off what you don't, have an app, don't want an appetite for and beginning to taste things that you need to have and you can change your tastes. You can change your desires that way. But but you've got to exercise the dominion over your own life. That's why we learned in Renewing the Mind, you're not, you're, 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 your mind is not you. It's a tool you've been given. But you're my, you, who you are is this man on the inside. Uh, we need to move along a little bit here. Okay. All right. Let's move on here. Okay. I want to begin to show you some guidelines. So we're going to switch over. Angela, what I want to do here is um, I want to go through some practical guidelines about how do, I, how do I know whether this is God or not? How do I know whether this is God or not? See if I can get this up here. Ah, miracle. Hallelujah. Guidelines. This is guidelines for, for discerning the Spirit talking to you. Um, this is a kind of a checklist to go through to give you some sort of frame of reference. Um, and because we're discerning information that cannot be verified by the senses, uh, it can be susceptible to error. So just because something sounds... This is important. Just because something sounds spiritual does not mean it's from the Spirit. So they're not going to be able to put it up there. But 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says that say, even Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. 
you can, so just, well, here's the very important point. Just because something sounds spiritual doesn't mean it's come from the Spirit of God. Because Satan can disguise himself. Just because somebody prophesies to you does not mean it's God. I've seen lives ruined because, well, God spoke to me. How? Somebody prophesied over me. In the Old Testament, there were false prophets. That was one of the, God's biggest problems with Israel is there were false prophets. They were a little easier to deal with because under the law, if, if you prophesied something that didn't happen, they stoned you to death. So you better be sure you're right. So, so just because something sounds spiritual does not mean it's the Spirit of God. You have to learn to discern. Our frame of reference, our primary frame of reference is truth that's not based on our senses or feelings. And this is the real, this is the, the, the launching point out here. Because in order to be able to learn to truly w- walk in the Spirit and discern the Spirit, you've got to let go of your senses. I don't mean going home, you close your eyes and drive by the Spirit home. Don't do that. But when it comes to discerning what God's saying to you, you cannot be ruled by your senses. In fact, God doesn't use your senses to communicate with you in most instances. Okay. So, the truth is the Word. And it's discerning through our senses which are measured by the Word. No matter how experienced we become at this, we still need to go through some kind of checklist. And just examples, I'm not going to have the time to get into it. All right, the first one we're going to show you, the first one we're going to show you, there we go. Whoops, I went too far. Whoa, whoa. It's all over, John. Whatever you're sensing, you measure it against the Word. That's the primary place to start. In fact, I found in my life one of the primary ways God speaks to me is through the Word. It's by reading the Word. This is the primary method God's giving you. This is the instruction manual. Now, there's some things you can't get out of here, like who to marry. It doesn't say, you know, it didn't say to me in the Gospel of John, you shall marry Anita Trenner. But there are some guidelines in here. Don't marry some, don't be unequally yoked. Marry somebody that is not just a Christian, but is somewhat on a spiritual parallel with you. And I want to get off of that. So there are guidelines. But there are things the Bible does not specifically tell us to do. But by and large, we're to measure, because the Spirit of God is not going to tell you something that doesn't line up, that's inconsistent with this word. Order 1, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says, The Lord is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. Christ is the Word. So it means no matter what you're sensing, what you hear or see, if it doesn't match up with this Word, don't trust it. Don't trust it. Now, the other side of that, and I've known people like that, if, if, if you can't find a chapter and verse, that doesn't mean it doesn't line up with the Word. See, the more you spend time in this Bible, the more you get a sense of the spirit of it. Because the more you get a sense of what God's like. God's not going to do something out of love because He is love, and I know that from the Word. So the first thing is you measure it against the Word. You measure it against the Word. The second guideline, and really the rest of these are kind of a specific application of this, the second guideline is, is you, 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 check, you discern the fruit of it. What's the fruit of this? Jesus says about people, you can judge them by their fruits. You can judge ministries by their fruits. You can judge 
In that case, he's talking about prophets by their fruit because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's true of, 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 of messages. So, so uh, uh, everything, that every word has some kind of fruit to it. Um, in Romans 10, verse 17, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, so one of the things that, one of the fruit that ought to be triggered in you is if God's speaking to you, it ought to, it ought to stir up some faith. A great example of that is when, when, when I was uh, uh, called into the ministry and I was in that large law firm in Boston, and the gentleman that I worked under, the partner I worked under, was, he was like a father to me. It really helped me come along in, in my career. And, and when, when I announced to him that I was resigning, we were moving halfway across the country so I could go to Bible school, he went into a panic. He couldn't sleep at night. And I cared about him. I mean, he was, he was coming into my office almost shaking. You know, are you sure it's the right thing to do? And he said, I'm not sleeping at night. I'm worried about you. And I saw, I went to God about this. I said, why, why is he so... And my parents were, were scared. And, and, I, and I said, God, what's going on? He said, you've got to understand... I spoke to you to do this. I didn't speak to them. And because I spoke to you, my speaking to you caused faith to arise in your heart to follow what I said to do. They heard this through you. Your words to them doesn't cause faith to rise. So it ought to produce some faith in you if it's, if it's, if it's God speaking to you. The second thing it ought to produce is peace. Colossians 3.15 says, Let peace rule in your hearts. That word rule in the Greek language means to be like an umpire. You know what an umpire does? He calls the ball fair or foul, and he calls the runner safe or out. He decides which side of the, of the foul line the ball is, lands on when it's hit by the baseball player. Well, in the same way, what this Colossians is telling us is, is because God is a God of peace and God's wisdom ought to bring peace. The, the wisdom of God that comes down from above is peaceable, James says. So God's wisdom, God's direction ought to bring some measure of peace to us. So if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're trying to sense is this God or not, and it's, and it's not causing a sense... Now, not peace in your mind, because when God told us to move to Oklahoma, that did not produce peace in my mind. On the other hand, your flesh can get peace about something that isn't peace in your spirit. So you think God's dealing with you to fast, and you say, you know what, I don't think that's God. You know, oh, I feel peace about not fasting. That may be your flesh. So the fact that it's peace isn't automatically it. It's a peace in your spirit, man, in your heart. And that's all, that takes being quiet to discern. And this is a very important factor here, is learning to be still. And this is so hard for us to do nowadays with iPhones and iPads and social media and all this stuff. And I, I was listening to a teacher, I've heard him say this before, and I may have shared it with you before. And this is a man who knows how to hear God's voice. He said, I, I had a dream and I felt God telling me to be still, and, and just to be still and know that I'm God. And I said, what do I do? So all I know to do is he went out on his back porch, put a chair down, and he just decided to sit for an hour and a half. He said, all I did is blink and breathe. And so I was saying, God, what am I? And he said, I suddenly realized, these things are here all the time, and I never hear them because I'm too busy. Maybe there are things God's trying to show me that I have to be still uh, to hear that I'm too busy to hear. We'll see some more about that uh, in a moment. Okay, peace. 
uh, another fruit is closeness to God. When the Spirit's working with us, He's drawing, always going to draw us closer to God. The devil's always trying to push you away from God. So He's always telling you why you don't qualify. He's always telling why you're falling short. There's sometimes I'm coming in here on a Sunday morning and I'm getting bombarded with thoughts of why I'm not qualified to do this. I'm getting bombarded with thoughts. You know, you should turn around. It's not that bad to turn around and go home because he knows I won't. But just he's trying to, but he's trying to undermine my confidence. I heard John Bevere talk about standing in a pulpit. He says, these thoughts bombard my thoughts. You're not qualified. And I, the answer was, yes, I'm not qualified. That's right, I'm not. I'm not going today because I'm qualified. So we'll settle that one right now. We both agree I'm not qualified. Everybody knows I'm not qualified. All right? I'm not there because I'm qualified. But my point is, I, but those, I recognize those thoughts because they're trying to tear me down. They're trying to undermine my confidence. Now, there are times God's corrected me about things, but His correction doesn't tear me down. His correction actually draws me closer to Him because when He speaks correction, it's out of love and it builds faith that I can make the change because when God corrects you, He's saying, look, son, I believe in you. You're not doing what I know you're capable of doing. When God speaks to you, He's always speaking to you to build you up, even though it may be correction, because He's saying, I believe in you, you can do this. The devil's always telling you why you're disqualified. Okay, or you may be doing that to yourself. All right. Another thing is, does it produce life or death? John 10, 10, real key, real simple thing. Jesus said, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Real simple question. Is this stealing from me? Is this killing something in me? Is this destroying something in me? Or is it bringing life? And it's real simple to discern. And I just went over the difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is always creates a, what the Bible calls a godly sorrow. Lord, I'm sorry. I know I should have done better than that. And I really want to do better. In, in condemnation, see, condemnation talks about your nature. See, you're a failure. You're never going to amount to anything. You fail again. I found this. God doesn't use the word again. Because if you've repented of something, the Bible says He throws it as far as the east is from the west. He has no memory. Of course He can remember it, but He doesn't keep it against you. So when you hear, you've done it again, that's never God's voice. That's never God's voice. Okay, quickly, number three. I'm going through these quickly because um, I want to I get on to some other things. The third thing is you've got to discern the difference in the voice itself. You've got to know what the voice is like. And this takes experience. In, in, um, uh, in King, 1 Kings 19, verse 11, there's a story of Elijah. And Elijah, is, is, it's a great story. Because this is, in, in chapter 18, he's just called fire down out of heaven. He called all the prophets of Baal out. And he said, let's have a showdown. And he called Israel around the mountain. He said, we're going to find out today who you're going to serve. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve Baal. So he, he had the prophets, of the, the queen's prophets of Baal. Line, he said, all right, we built this huge monument, of, of this huge altar of wood. And he said, all right, let's, let's see what your God will do. Have your God call fire down. And they went through all this stuff, cut themselves, did everything they could. It, it, nothing was working. And there's a neat little idiom in there where, where, where Elijah says, I forgot what it says in the King James, but the idiom is, maybe he's in the bathroom is what it's saying. And he's, he's, he's off taking care of himself. And, and so he says, okay, let me show you what my God will do. And what he did is he soaked the wood with, with water. Soaked it with water. Made it as hard as possible. And he just said, all right, God, show him you're real. And fire comes down out of heaven. Burns the whole thing up. Fire licks up all the water. And they're so, they're, they're so, they're so transfixed for that, they stand still while he goes and 
kills, what is it, 800 or 400 prophets of Baal. I mean, this man is now champion. He's just displayed who God is. The queen hears about it, and she puts a death warrant out of him. And the next, guy, the next day, the guy gets up, and he's panicked, and he runs away to hide, pouting. He ends up in this, in this cave, and God comes to him, and it says a, 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 a thunderstorm came, and a tornado came, and in each one of those loud noises, God wasn't in them. And then there was, a, there was a breeze that came, and out of that a still, small voice spoke, and that was the voice of God. And that's a good description. We looked back in, in Genesis last week, in chapter 3, when God came to walk in the cool of the evening. The word cool means the, the, the breeze. So God speaks in a very... The point is this, is the Spirit of God's voice. You've got to learn... And it's not like I recognize Anita's voice over somebody else's voice. It's you've got to get the sense of what it's like. It's gentle. God doesn't push you. The Spirit of God doesn't prod you. One of the things I've learned is God doesn't keep pounding at you. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. That's most likely the enemy doing that because he's trying to prod you. God leads you. He prompts you because he wants you to learn to follow him. He's not trying to force you to something. The Spirit of God has a gentle gentleness to it. I've had God speak to me audibly and forcefully once, and I don't ever want to go through that again because he was correcting me about something I'm not going to mention to you. I was complaining about something about my wife, and I'll never do that again. Another thing is the location the location of this. So, oh, that's the next one, isn't it? Sensing the location where you hear this. It's not in your mind. It's, again, as we talked about earlier. It's kind of down, it's down in here. You just kind of, and, and, and most of the time, it's not a voice. See, we use the term voice or God spoke to me, but that's kind of a, a misleading. Because, again, we talked about this last week. God speaks spirit to spirit. It's impressions. He speaks by impress. He communicates would be a better word. We, when we say speak, we automatically think I'm hearing a voice, but but it's not that. It's an impression. You just kind of know something. You just you just kind of kind of know, you know. And you got to learn. And as you step out on that, and, and and we've been having some meetings on kind of planning for the future. And we're having this kind of meeting on Tuesday morning. And 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 you know, I'm, I'm, and all of a sudden, I just heard and hear something. God's talk about this church. It wasn't words. I just I just knew it. I just, I just knew it was God talking to me. And, 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 and when, if I just ignored that, then that kind of fades away. And it's like, so you, the, one of the most important things to learn about knowing the, the, the direction of God in you is to, is to obey it. Because if you, if, you, if you disobey it, you become hardened to it. You become insensitive to it. And so learning to listen and then obey. And again, you know, if you think God's telling you to go to Rhode Island Hospital and and, 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 and jerk everybody off of their beds to heal them, you better know it's right and you better come talk to me first. But if it's a small thing, like call somebody, try it. Just step out, just step out on it. Another thing is, is we often think that God speaks to us in the third person, you know, or, or you know, or sec- but it's usually, it's a sense you have of doing something because you and God, are, your spirit and God's spirit are, are one. 